0: Welcome to Lockdown With. Our guest today is Nathan Raab. He is a pilot based in the south of England. He is also the founder of the online indoor plant company Pointless Plants. In this podcast we talk to Nathan about what it was like to transition from being a full-time pilot to a full-time entrepreneur after he was made redundant during the pandemic. We talk about how to stay positive and resilient as well as the power of plants and how he grew his company on social media to over 100,000 followers. I'm Rebecca and welcome to Lockdown With. Welcome to Lockdown With, second guest, Nathan, yes, once again I'll put it out there, this is my brother, but this is the last time for a while that I'll be interviewing a family member, Um, following this we have some people outside of my family that are doing some super cool things, but Nathan is doing some super cool things, so it's advertising. Not that your family
1: isn't cool, is it? Say again? Not that your family isn't cool.
0: No, this is what I mean, I'm trying to make you sound cool. Um, I will get there. Nathan um, is also doing some super cool things. He is advertised as locked down with a pilot, um, which is his kind of career, I guess. Um, but I want to start with something else. I want to start with your your business that you're working on because I'm aware that through lockdown things have changed, so you've had to focus on other things. So talk to me a bit about your plant business. I want to start with something happy.
1: Okay so I've had a plant business for about two years now as a way to move away from flying and to have a purpose and passion to make the planet a better place and lockdown has kind of been the natural course where one thing isn't working and the other thing is and of course you know there's challenges and I haven't paid myself for six months and we're running out of money but when you don't overthink it and you just follow what works and don't follow what hasn't or isn't, you just go down new paths. And that is what I'm doing basically. So the plant business is doing well. People like plants at the moment. And that is day to day what I'm doing. Um, And it's taken up all of my time. Hopefully flying comes back because that did pay the bills. But also, I'm sure the plants will kind of take continue to take off, and we'll be able to become smarter as a business, because all businesses need profit. Um, yeah.
0: The name, the name of your business, Pointless Plants. Tell me, how did you get the name Pointless Plants?
1: Well, we were living in a one-bedroom flat in Crawley. There's actually a little blur on the on the website mm. at our story. So if you want to find out more, it's there. But we live in a one bedroom flat and in Crawley, me and my other half, Georgia. And I was just getting a little bit, I've always been into, you know, having businesses and selling stuff, whether it be on eBay, whether it be a website, whether it be in person. Before this, I went to the Netherlands and met a guy who was selling cardboard cutout burger holders. I tried that out with paper straws when they first came into the UK. And it didn't really work out. So the next thing was I had the idea, I was just growing mango trees at home in the flat in Crawley. And in my mind, I was I was thinking, how can I create a mango tree farm? And I was really, it was really bothering me because I just didn't have the space. And then it was when you came back from Borneo, actually, you gave me a little, a little ring, a little bamboo ring, and it was a, I kind of thought, oh, this could be a lucky ring. And I stuck it on the plant, which was the mango tree. And I thought maybe people could accessorize plants and plants could become more than just plants. They could become kind of like a pet. So I thought maybe Mago, Maggie the mango tree. And my other half, Georgia said, that's a pointless idea. And then the name was born. When you've got Pointless, I quite like being a little bit controversial and people say it's a stupid name. You know, people say Apple's a stupid name because it's technology and you're looking at Apple, but now they don't say it's stupid. Amazon, what sort of name is Amazon? It's a river. But now they're like the biggest technology company. So Pointless Plants was born. And I thought I kind of like that because it's not stereotypical, which I really don't like being stereotypical. It's a little bit different. And then I, I kind of thought, there's a whole brand around it where I wanted to change my lifestyle. I wanted to sort of change flying. When you look at how much fuel goes into um, an airplane, it's kind of scary. So I kind of thought when you're going backwards and forwards to Spain, didn't really give me much purpose. So the whole brand around Pointless Plants being We're Not Pointless came about and we plant 10 trees for every order we have really looking at ways to change it i'm looking at sort of packaging we can plant in the future and we want to be kind of at the head and really a company that focuses on passion purpose people and of course you need the profits because that's your air you know businesses will not be around about the profits but it's a little bit about pointless plants people I think,
0: I think what's crazy is that how fast it's grown because how long have you been doing it now
1: yeah, so we've been doing it in February, so in a month's time, today's January the 5th. In February, we will be two years old. Um,
0: happy birthday.
1: Happy birthday. But yeah, I think the big catalyst was the first lockdown, you know, like the, the first year, as you know, it was in the house. Mum was packing plants. And oh, back
0: in, back in the early days, what a shambles. In a good way, because obviously look how far <laughs> it's grown, but yeah. mum was your worker. Yeah.
1: What better work are that? That one doesn't want to get paid. And it's Amazing, happy. isn't it? We
0: basically <laughs> lived. We basically lived in a greenhouse. Yeah. The whole so. house was full up with plants. I mean, even this room now, we've got plants in the room. But I mean, you've got most of them in your warehouse now. But that's crazy. Yeah. In two years, you've now got a massive warehouse, and also your social media following. You've got over a hundred thousand followers within two years, which is crazy. But you've been working with a lot of influencers, right?
1: Yeah. So, it things just kind of happen they just there are a few like fundamentals I tried to stick to and then just hope that the results happen and I think that's pretty much the most with like loads and loads of startups you know at the even now of course it's, we're getting busier but it still doesn't pay you away so you kind of have to just stick and be quite disciplined you know one of the things I focus on is consistency you know three times a day four times a day if you want to know how to look at a successful Instagram follow these influencers you know any of them even if they've you know even if they're from Love Island or I didn't say that in the directory way hopefully but you know or whatever sorry Love
0: Island fans
1: (laughs) they are relentless they post 20 stories a day they post posts every single day and that's what you need to be doing you need to be you need to be constantly trying to self-improve yourself, look at the best people on Instagram, copy them. There's no shame in copying people before you know you can create your own style of stuff. Um and just just don't stop basically.
0: Because one of the questions we got from Instagram was have you always been this entrepreneurial? Because you're kind of using your own kind of get up and go kind of ethos, which not everyone has, but some people also have an idea and they don't know where to go with it. So With your kind of entrepreneurial mindset, have you always been like that? Have you got any examples of what you've done when you were maybe younger? And if if someone wants to start out doing something similar than you, like starting a business, what would you say to them?
1: Well, are entrepreneurs born or grown? I think it's a bit of both. Um, Personally, I just get bored really, really quickly. So when I was younger, I just... I couldn't really watch much telly just cause I'd get bored of it. And probably the earliest experience that I remember as a kid to do with plants was it, you know, going into the garden and creating my own, pick your own farm and then creating a the little board, painting the board, writing the prices down, just stuff like that. And I just, I don't really, I don't really know. Like when I, I sometimes just wish I, I almost wasn't cause it would be easier, but I, when I was flying, I would be, you know, working five days on, two days off. I'd be going up to London and I'd have a meeting, you know, with a client to fit out their office with plants. And then my next day I'd be picking up plants and wholesalers, packing. And I'd just be like, God, I wish I could just sit down. But it's, I just don't, of course, have days where I don't feel like doing any, anything. But in general, I just, I can't just sit still. So that's what happens. So I don't know if, I think... The advice I'd give, um, it depends. I think there's a lot of people that want to want to start a business but don't have the idea. Um, and in that case, I'd say just try and start anything. There's a lot I learned. You know, I, I sold, even when I was 12, I sold like phone cases, fake Hollister T-shirts, headphones, burger holders, like, every, like I sold like so much stuff. None of it has worked. The plants is working. Um, and But you learn so much along the way, even just jumping on a plane to meet a guy who sells cardboard burger holders. You develop so many social skills. You, you meet different people. So if it's not the idea that's going to make isn't going to work, you're still going to learn loads from it. So just start the journey now because time's short, you know. You're wasting a year if you're not starting the idea. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do you don't know what to do you've got to do something so you,
0: you kind of learn from your failures don't failures don't you
1: yeah you learn you pick up loads and loads of skills along the way but you learn why it didn't work most of the time things don't work you just don't give it enough time and consistency like, i'm sure the burger holders is a great idea but i only gave it a few months didn't have much success and it was kind of like i'm not that passionate about burger holders For anyone that
0: doesn't know what a burger holder is, they are honestly one of the best inventions ever. When we were in New Zealand together, there's a great place that had these burger holders and it's just a game changer.
1: Burger fuel, And also I'm still on the website as a salesperson. So if you do need a burger holder, (laughs) I've got about a thousand sample ones in, in the shed. So let me know
0: amazing you mentioned something before about consistency is key and you have days where you don't fancy doing it like just there are some days where you just want to stay in bed or watch a bit of netflix so how do you overcome that what keeps you going when you don't want to uh,
1: what keeps me going is the bigger picture you know it's like with business what i've experienced anyway i'm speaking like i'm, su- I'm a successful entrepreneur i'm really not i'm Everyone's just chock.
0: successful in their own right this is the yeah. thing
1: but this is how I see it. It's, it's like a 100-mile race. And some days, you know, I'm in the flow. I'm buzzing. I really feel like it. And I get five miles run. You know, I run five miles. It's brilliant. And then the next day, I'm aching. Just make the one step. Just one step. You're still getting close to the 100-mile target. And I think that's that's how... That's how I think. I've got this bigger picture of what I want to achieve. I know this is going to take so much time. I know there's such a long journey ahead, but if I can just turn up every single day and at least make one step, but one step for me is scheduling or posting three times on Instagram. And then if I'm really struggling for ideas I feel down, I just post one picture on the story of a product. That is one step for me. It might not seem like a, a big step, but when you look at the insights of how many people are seeing the Instagram, you could gain like, I don't know, one to 10 customers from that. The lifetime value of a customer could be massive. So really, if you're doing it every single day as the bare minimum, you're gonna have a business that grows, but it's just gonna take time. Um, so that's what I just I'm just inspired by my big picture and the days are there any days where I don't do anything probably not or if I don't do anything like I didn't do anything on New Year's Day I'd scheduled it before so it was just doing it automatically I think that's just the reality of having a business there's no it's not like a Lamborghini on Instagram it's it's the hard work maybe it is the Lamborghini on Instagram I don't know but
0: yeah i mean i've listened to quite a few interesting podcasts or talks with other like ceos or other you know really famous people or not so famous people and they all say the same thing there's this kind of when you say entrepreneur people always picture these amazing scenes of what you buy how much money you're going to get but as you're saying now it's all about just doing something every single day and when you do that you have no time like you have no you have time to enjoy the things you want to but does your happiness really come from these expensive cars that people are talking about or the private jets etc what do you think about that
1: um well, i don't really know because i still think a Porsche would make me happy by yeah, the Porsche. i thought you would i still re- i still really like the electric Porsche and i really want it but from looking at um our investor, the Pointless Plants, he's got a business and successful in his own right. Um, and he's been working, you know, obviously he's got a nice house and all the bits and bobs and materialistic stuff now, but he got a and straight away after about a week he was bored of it. So I guess you just get, I think humans just get used to things, but I don't know what, he still comes out every day and works you know, and he's been, he's, he was working two jobs for 25 years. Now it's only starting to pay off where he really doesn't need to work. So I think people that, I think entrepreneurs are just kind of inspired by what they do. I guess an example of it would be, you know, when you look at Gymshark, that, that Ben guy who owns Gymshark, he's made serious money and he's, you know, mid twenties. Why hasn't he stopped? he could have stopped ages ago sold it for a few hundred million done I think the enjoyment comes from actually doing it and it's like one of these weird things where you go to the gym you don't really enjoy it but then you kind of feel good and you enjoy it so I think yeah. it's one of them
0: that's something I learned when I when I was in Borneo we learned about yeah. happiness there's there's different types of happiness and I might get this wrong because this is going back a couple of years um but there's I think first degree happiness and second, I'm going to say degree happiness. And one of them is when you enjoy it in the moment. So you're doing something great, you're having a, a night out yeah. with your friends or you're reading a book. And that's, you know, that is first hand happiness. That is something you're enjoying. The second type of happiness is the one where you are going to do something like going to the gym or we were on track. This is what we applied it to. We were walking and it was horrible. Some days it would be the like rainy season and we'd just be getting soaking wet. We'd be walking up mountains, it'd be slippery and we'd have to get into camp, put up a hammock and we were just not loving life. And that's fine. I think it's good to appreciate moments where you're not enjoying it. But it's this second type of happiness where you get the enjoyment after you've experienced it because of your achievements. And because yeah. of memories that you have and something that you got through, so I think it's important yeah. thing. I think
1: yeah, I think it, I, I think it's quite um, I think it is good to have a balance of all three as well, which I don't think I've got the balance right at the moment. But it's it's quite hard when you start something out, and I think you almost have to look at when these come into effect. Do you know what I mean? So you almost have a steady drip of happiness coming into you, which is the hard, which is, I don't know, maybe that's the purpose of life, it's incredibly hard to get a balance of anything, so.
0: I think happiness is important to everything though, So just, or maybe not even happiness, it's just contentness, it's just, but that goes back to like being grateful and mindfulness, being appreciative of the moment, right? Yeah. And just trying to enjoy an element of it, being grateful for what you do have.
1: And I guess like all three of, all three of the degrees that we've spoken about is almost just you know, so maybe the purpose of life is to live. And when you're talking about a second degree of happiness, you know, it's really tough. And the happiness comes afterwards. Like, you know, maybe the purpose of life is to live and feel all of those emotions and just to feel alive. So there we go.
0: I mean, for sure. Simple. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've written stuff as well about how emotions, I don't think emotions, I don't know, maybe you have a different view. I think we are here to experience emotions and I think we're experiencing a lot of them during lockdown, but I also don't think that happiness is exclusive of one emotion. I don't think happiness is the opposite of sadness or love is the opposite of hate. I think every emotion is kind of on a scale. So you can feel both happy and sad which is possible you can feel love and hate you can feel happy love hate you can feel all of these emotions because I think actually the opposite of these emotions is a numbness it's almost like a the emotion just doesn't exist and that can lead on to things like depression where you feel really numb what do you think?
1: Uh, Maybe would an opposite happy is quite a reaction so I guess the opposite would be the opposite reaction I think maybe numbness is a neutral which is a reaction in itself but neutral is again sometimes like unengaged definitely not fulfilled and just kind of like a neutral standpoint so I don't know I would say I would say the opposite is the opposite emotion but I would say there is a neutral which people almost like you know that kind of wall up switch off yeah. I'm not sure if I think that's the opposite, but it's definitely a state.
0: Yeah,
1: I haven't really thought that much into it. To be honest, that's just <laughs> quite a
0: Quite a left-wing question there. Just kind of throw it in. It came into my head. Um, to go back on to what the podcast was kind of advertised as, you haven't mm. always been. Well, you, you've always been entrepreneurial. You've always had business ideas, but there was another dream that you had since you were like a baby. I remember being taken by mum to airports like whenever we could to go and watch planes and it yeah. was enjoyable for me but for you this was the beginnings of your dream of becoming a pilot yeah yeah so how did that progress like how did you become this pilot what made you want to do that
1: well it was know. it wasn't so I don't know why I wanted to do it whether you want to look at past lives or whatever I always wanted to be a pilot like you know it was my first word plane was my first word i don't know why i wanted to be a pilot but i wanted to be a pilot so bad which kind of made it easy because i had a goal you know a lot of people don't have a goal and you know if you don't have a goal what would you do i'm very lucky i always you know i, I create goals you know sometimes So I've always got something to look forward to and do. I I couldn't imagine not having a goal, I guess. It's just not the way I work. Like, you know, you fly six hours to like Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt and you're sitting there for six hours and you just feel, you know, pretty tired, you know, all the passengers get to go off and go on the beach. We at the back, cleaning the plane, trying to get away early. Then you fly six hours back in the dark. And that is the reality of it um
0: so is the reality that the pilot cleans the plane because that is definitely not a perception that i'd have
1: oh if you're at a low-cost airline yeah everyone's kind of in it (laughs) you want to get get away you know all first if you're at british airways then you do get cleaners on board um but you don't feel the team spirit (laughs) but yeah so it was it didn't really live up to kind of what i thought it would be and yeah it really i kind of
0: i kind of because one of the perceptions that is true in my opinion is that it takes a long time to get to that place and pilots are really skilled and I remember your training that you did and I think for anyone that is watching this that might want to be a pilot in the future and isn't being put off by all of the stuff that you're saying now and it is still a dream like how was the training process what happened
1: yeah the the training the training is like pretty it it is intense it, it it's not too long it only lasts 2 years but when you're when you're in it it is it is very intense you know you've you're completely focused so you start off with your um ground school exams. There's 14 exams not too hard it's multiple choice um but it you know you do practice questions cuz it's just like how you do past papers when you do your exams at school so you rack up, I think I racked up about 100,000 practice questions I went through in like six months. So that's the that's that's the main way I learn. You know, I'm not a very, as you know, I'm dyslexic. So when I read something in a book and then I get a question on it, I, I'm like, I don't even remember reading that. So for me, it's practice questions. And I'll, you know, I'm not the smartest, but I'll outwork anyone or I'll try to outwork anyone. And I'll do what it needs to take to get the result, which I did. So... You do the exams and then you do the flying phase. Then you get your license, which is commercial pilot's license. And then you do your instruments exams and your instrument flying. And then you get this license called a CPL IR. And then once you have 1500 hours in a jet, like an easy jet or some sort of plane, then you get an air traffic transport, an air transport pilot's license. So it's just called an ATPL. or maybe you get a frozen one before that, but it's basically a CPO IR with the tight rating. But so, yeah, so that's kind of the training. Very, very tough. Um, and are pilots really skilled? Yes, they are. And but I think what, I was actually thinking about this last night because there's so many scenarios in life, like when you talk about money and business where... You, you either look at nature or you look at your past experiences and learn from it. And for example, you know, last night, me and George were talking about money and rent and stuff like that. And, and I see it when, because I've been a pilot, I see it completely differently, you know, like options that wouldn't necessarily be an option to her are options to me, because when you're, you know, you're in an emergency situation or you're in the sim and you're training, you weigh up all your options. And unfortunately, if you want to know this as a passenger, Ditching into the sea is always an option. You know, how bad, it doesn't matter. You know, obviously, it's the very, very last option. But when it gets to that point, you've got to consider every single option. So in this case, you know, for us paying rent, you know, maybe sleeping in the street might be an option or living with a mum you know your mum be an option Sleeping in the warehouse might be an option not a good option but it's definitely an option
0: I mean sleeping in your warehouse your warehouse is beautiful I mean I would sleep in your warehouse <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I, so
0: I think what's important you're bringing up these kind of processes that you've learned and I think in any job you pick up different skills different processes you have to do in an yeah. emergency situation I mean I've done the kind of medical kind of first aid stuff and also had similar stuff what could you tell us any of the other processes that you used as a pilot that you can now apply to either your plant business or just to life in general that might actually help people through lockdown or through decisions that they're making?
1: Yeah, um God, there is so, so many. I think the the, the like the umbrella of it all is just to continue personal development. Um like we, as a pilot, you had to have a sim every six months. You're continuously learning. You can, you know, you want to be a captain. You want to be a training captain. So it's just that continual personal development in the crews, would kind of learn more about the plane. You kind of want to be the best of, of as a, as a pilot, who you are. And I think I saw that through kind of everyone, you know, you always have a sim, people always learning. So I think the continued personal development, there are loads of little things like, for example, we used to have the same um, nutter. And it's it's a saying, spelt as in N U T A, and it's a saying for situ- situational awareness. You know, if you ever lose cap, you just you notice, you understand, you think ahead. Um, there's other things like decision making tools that we had called T D O D A. So time, you diagnose, options, decision, action, review. So these are all good ones in day to day. Like a little one that help, could help. Um, is one called um, a nits brief. So if we have an emergency, we format what we say to passengers, crew, whoever, it's just a nice, um, nice way of saying it. So you can say it. To, you know, if you have the bin man outside that you want to approach him and say something. So it would be, the nature your intention time and any special instructions so you can really format things in such a way so you might be like okay we've got an engine failure on the left that's the left hand side our intention is to return back to London Heathrow the time we're going to be on the ground in 10 minutes so I need the cabin done in five minutes and just prepare for a normal landing that's a really good way to kind of structure it and we have loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of acronyms just to help us through the day days stays and yeah but and there's so I, much in life.
0: I really like the one about where when you're making a decision, you have to kind of disprove it. Is that right?
1: yeah, so you look at confirmation bias and you yeah. you know you ask the other person and you go, you know why wouldn't we choose this? why would we choose this and like you know like I said, there's always we get you know two or three days a year every year where we're just looking at. It's called crew resource management because if you guys don't know a lot about aviation most of the accidents are called but caused by human factors and have been in the past you know obviously it's a human operating a machine we're, we're going to be the biggest killers you know so a lot of our time is spent looking at crew resource management decision making models you know how the brain works training the chimp you know when you see a f- red flashing light most of the time it's best just to do nothing. And it's the hardest thing to do as well. That is the, you know, the most, the the best thing is to do nothing in so many situations. And even just little things like that, you can apply to life. The amount of times you have an argument, imagine if you just did nothing, it wouldn't have happened, you'll still be friends with them, you know? And so most, you know, do nothing, think about it, sit on your hands, evaluate the situation. It takes all this sort of stuff. It sounds easy, but when you're in the moment, you're feeling emotions, you know? And you, you hear an engine fail, or even just a little thing like you hear the um, toilet smoke alarm go off, and you get red flashing lights, and you're over the sea somewhere. The emotion you feel, the you know, the panic you can feel. It's so hard to sit on your hands, just relax when this alarm's going off, and just to have a clear mind to think. And it is such it is such a skill. And there are so many captains that are so are so exp- more experienced than me that in those situations I've been like, and I've looked at them, they've just been so calm and relaxed and, you know.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I agree with you. Obviously I've not been a pilot, but through the kind of first aid stuff, I think, I think also with the red flashing light, there's a lot of pressure, not from just yourself, but from other people. I feel bystanders. So Mm. your passengers on the plane, and if you apply it to life, all your friends, all your family, if there's an emergency going on and you need to make a decision fast, gonna have people telling you you've got to make a decision you've got to make a decision yeah. and putting pressure on you but even from the first aid side of this we someone said to me once it's a whiskey and a cigar moment i think that might have been from borneo i can't remember too many experiences mm-hmm. where when something happens sometimes it's best to just pretend you've got a whiskey pretend you've got a cigar and you just take a yeah. moment five seconds to think compose yeah. your thoughts and then carry on because without a clear mind it's it's detrimental
1: yeah, and there's there's so many things you take from that. You've got to remember, like, for a start, when we make a decision, it's never a final decision. We always, at the end of the T-DODAR model, the decision making model, there's a review. We constantly go through that every five minutes or every time a failure changes. Have we, you know, what's changed? Does that change our decision? Review, 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 everything you do, review, review, review. Some people, you know, there've been accidents in the past where people make decisions and they've been so stubborn and want to be right. It's caused the death of three hundred people. So there's unfortunately, and it's the same with life. You know, drop your ego, make a decision. If someone's got, if someone's got a better idea than you, change your decision. It's not being indecisive. It's being open to change. And it, ultimately, if you want the best decision, you need to be open to change. And then I think everyone's got their own opinion and everyone's living their own reality. So. You know, like we might land and the weather's been bad and people are going, but my kids are this, they, my kids haven't eaten. We're thinking about the majority, the bigger picture, and they're thinking about, you know, their one-year-old who hasn't eaten. And everyone's got an opinion. Everyone obviously is li- living a different life and has different priorities. Um, so you just got to ultimately just do the best for the, the most amount of people, basically
0: we're talking about change now and something we haven't covered is the fact the reason why you've had to transition quite quickly from full-time pilot to full-time now plant business where as you said before you're not taking a salary but that kind of change was brought on by lockdown and I think every industry uh, well most industries well actually every industry has had an impact of lockdown whether Mm. it's beneficial or not I know mum who I interviewed yesterday she's obviously had a lot more clients because of mental health situations but for the aviation industry I mean flights are grounded right yeah. so oh, I yeah. think I think people are more worried well or maybe are really worried about the fact they can't go overseas because there's a lot of border closures and um, the fact that flights aren't going anywhere the fact they can't go on their holidays but when we think about the people that are on the planes I mean there's a there's a lot more cabin crew than there are pilots so i think a lot of people know more cabin crew than they do pilots but for the pilots i mean for the company that company that you were with a lot of the pilots were made redundant right
1: yeah yeah about three i think 300 odd which is a tenth of pilots ten percent
0: and that that kind of differed between companies didn't it
1: yeah a, a few companies um Key, haven't made people redundant and used the government scheme, other companies, but these are things, you know, obviously I've I've got an opinion, which I probably won't say, but ultimately decision, you know, these sometimes things you can't control. And another thing we say as pilots, control the controllables. I can't control how the company are going to act. So of course, you know, I, I think my time in the in the industry, probably like most people in the corporate world, ultimately companies are gonna be focusing on the money they made, and unfortunately you are just a number. And a lot of people are kind of like, no, they care, they care. You know, we got this email, you know, it's, it's rubbish. It is rubbish. But where, but the thing is where I think other people, where I sort of took it differently is, you know, I'm, when I'm working, I know I'm a number. I know they don't care about me and you know at the start after six months working your first job it hurts a little bit you know you want to be working for a company that cares about you you want to be working for a company has a mission and I was sitting there and I was thinking these lot don't care they don't care about my life they don't care I'm in debt they don't care this they don't care but when you know where you stand it's so much easier so what I'm trying to say is being made redundant a lot of people were shocked which sparks opinion emotion they shouldn't have done it this way they should have done this way all waste time you know I knew I was you know not cared about you know I'm not trying to get sympathy they don't care about me but I also don't you know I care about them I look when I'm working I'll do a good job but I don't care about them you know because they don't care about me so it was quite easy I'm redundant or in fact, even before I got made redundant, you know, they, I think um, the company came out with like a letter of, you know, noticing, just noticing that you might be made redundant, you know, kind of like, as soon as, as soon as this sparks, it's an opportunity. So as soon as that letter came out, I thought, right, I'm redundant. I've got to think on my own two feet and get something done. And there was a period between March and August when I got made redundant, which is quite a long time. A lot of people were sitting there humming are in oh are we going to get made redundant are we not I I was there saying look guys we're going to get made redundant think now kind of thing so I bought myself a bit of time um which a lot of people didn't do so I just kind of cut it off and then August came we got about three months salary and then that's it so yeah I kind of (laughs) what the question was
0: well no I mean you've answered the question I think what about what about people that you know what about your friends that you were at flight school with and stuff have they are they in the same situation as you
1: a few people different companies um have still got their job they're not flying as much they're on like a part-time wage but I think the people I think the people that I know everyone's struggling a lot you know everyone's struggling I know a lot of Suicides and stuff like that, which is kind of why pointless plants. Last night we sent an email out just to make sure, just to say to our customers, look, we're here to talk, not even about plants, not about orders. If you want to talk as a human, we're here and we've got a team. We'll support you, and you know we've got an amazing following, a hundred, you know, nearly one hundred ten thousand. Imagine if we could just help two or three people, people just talking. So yeah, I've known I've known a lot of suicides in the aviation industry. I think everyone's struggling, you know. I think it is a good reality check because there are so many times where I'm flying, you know, and I'd get four or 5,000 pounds after tax a month and I'd work 10 days a month and it, it was really easy. And I was very, very comfortable. And you're still moaning that you, you know, you want more because it's human nature. You just get used to it. It's normal. You live your life. And then now, you know, a lot of my mates are working in supermarkets, which is no, not a problem, you know, like I started in a supermarket, I used to work at Waitrose, but it doesn't pay the bills like, you know, the pilot job used to, so I think it's a good reality check, there's a few people looking at, I think there's one joining the police, other airlines, you know, I've applied to other airlines, a few of them have as well, but, you know, like a friend of mine got a simulator assessment and then this new strain of COVID comes out, suddenly not interested, so... Uh, the industry is pretty hard at the moment but just yeah i think it'll recover people want to people want to travel it's just going to take time and i don't th- i think th- there will be a new normal with contracts unfortunately it is a business to make money there are a lot of old contracts where it didn't work for the airlines and ultimately it's the customer that's driving what they want they want cheap pr- prices and quick flights and that's what's going to lead the market and the only way to get quick flight uh, cheap flights is to have cheaper people working for you right so I know everyone goes oh at the end look, I know everyone says about oh we want the world to be like this and like this and like this and then you go and buy the one pound chicken from Asta that's <laughs> been bred on like you vote with your money
0: yeah you vote with your money for like, sure
1: so if people were buying business class and wanted the nice flights and were, paying, were prepared to pay extra, they're voting you know, with their money. And that's what, that's what matters at the end of the day to these big companies. So,
0: And I think yeah. when we were speaking before about perceptions of pilots and especially captains, yeah. I think some people might not know the difference, but obviously a captain is a lot more experienced than a pilot. They've had a lot more years. Um, and a lot of them are, they have been in the company for so long. And even yeah. some of those were made redundant. Is that right?
1: Um. Captains I don't know I don't think I don't think captains were made redundant, but I think they were not forced but encouraged to take a voluntary redundancy if they only had a few years left I think
0: yeah um, because I think some of what our conversations have been over lockdown have been about the mental well-being and I think it's a, a kind of common thing that I think it's going to come up in most of the conversations that I'm going to have but like because there is such a perception that pilots are rich and all of this now that either pilots or captains whoever it is don't have this income that's coming in and don't have the kind of solid travel market so things are unpredictable and you mentioned about suicides and like the poor mental health of other pilots Mm. like because of because the expectations so high and because the lifestyle for some people used to be so good and now it's kind of just dropped and you've got to remember like some of these people were the sole earners for their family because they were on such a high salary and that kind of left them so they kind of went from a really good job like top job to just just nothing overnight yeah and that is that is tricky
1: yeah I like you know then you can question is that ethical you know or you can question where they're unprepared what you're supposed to prepare for I kind of think what wasn't done, you know, I think companies should use the government schemes. I know a lot of friends that still on government schemes, furlough schemes, we never got any of it, we just got cut. Um, which is, you know, I don't, I don't really want to say an opinion because I would take my job back and just because I need the rent to be paid. And it's a good money and I obviously have I have career ambitions as well as business ambitions. Um, but yeah,
0: I think we're definitely also seeing a trend from online businesses also just from the rise of the internet that and from lockdown it's been a catalyst where people are leaving in like uh, big organisations and they're now doing something on their own and obviously you've got your business on the side do you can you also see that trend where people are now not relying on like societal kind of infrastructure and they're now relying on themselves more
1: yeah I I can see the trend for sure I think it would be very interesting because, trust me, having a business, it's not easy. It's not easy to pay yourself as well. And I think when you work for a company or you rely on the government, it is very easy to put your responsibility elsewhere. You know, a lot of people, for example, when they get ill, they don't put the responsibility on their lifestyle. Suddenly they look at the NHS. You know, it's all, It all comes down to you. And you've got to have everything you do in life you're responsible for. You know whether it's your decision to stay in a career or whatever you're responsible for but I think when you work for a big company almost it's, it's you know it's like a safety net did I ever think I'll get made redundant no way I, I thought I could stay in that job for years stay there for 30 years I'll be on 200 grand a year it's a nice life that's a good like backup plan but I was always thinking you know what if what if am I fulfilled so that's I really kind of push on a business for my own sort of selfish reasons, of being fulfilled, and I kind of question that a lot. That's just me as a person. But I think it's going to be a reality check for loads and loads of people. But hopefully it'll just make, hopefully, you know, when things are tough, people change, people grow. So hopefully it will, it will get better. Um, but I think what it will do is people, or what I hope it will do, is people stop accepting rubbish from big companies because at the end of the day you know these big companies pay your bills and they are very much in control and they they basically dictate you when i think of it right for the four years i worked in aviation i think every christmas i was working you know this year right this year i flew maybe about 10 times one of those times was my birthday you know i flew 10 times And one of them was my birthday. If I go back to flying, you know, people miss first Christmases with with their baby kids. People miss the birth of their kids sometimes for careers. And then when you look at what happens and how quickly a company can cut you, do you think people are going to give these big companies the control over their lives again? Maybe, but hopefully not. Hopefully the people are going to go, look, no, you don't care about me. I've seen that. So look, my birthday, Christmas, sorry, I'm not working. And hopefully people are going to be able to stand up to these big companies. That's the change I want to see. And the big company is going to have to be more flexible. And if no, the trouble we've had at the moment is there'll always be someone willing to do it. You know, if they're not going to work Christmas, somebody else will get rid of them. They get the person in. If somebody won't work for that amount of money, somebody will. Somebody's more desperate. But hopefully, with this virus, it's more of a collective thing, and collectively, things would change. That's what I'm hoping.
0: Because definitely, I feel there is compassion building on lower levels, as in everyone in society is starting to have compassion for one another. They understand everyone is going through a hard time. And I think it's the first time, especially definitely in my life, where everyone has. Instead of going, I bet they're having a great day. Everyone is now going, they're going through a pandemic. Everyone knows that everyone is going through something hard. And yeah. it would be interesting, as you're, as you're saying, to see whether that compassion rolls into the big companies. And that might be their downfall because people like you and other people who are building these new companies Um, People, a lot of them our age or our generation are building these companies are based on people and really valuing people, which is so important. And it goes back to your Instagram post, which you mentioned earlier and I was going to pick up on now towards the end, where you posted from your account and you posted all over your social media and then you you sent an email out to everyone about just checking on your mates, just speaking to each other, you're humans and you just picked on um, connection. And you kind of likened it to nature how i I, i've got the post but i haven't got it with me where everything is kind of reliant on each other and ecosystems need that and you offered them a phone number and an email address that they could then contact you if they needed any just someone to listen to and you know what you don't have to be trained in order to do that and i think it's important to recognize the difference right if someone comes to you with a serious issue, then definitely help them get support. But most of the time it is just being heard and being listened to. So I, I yeah. think I it's it's just a really good thing that you put out onto your social media that they can they can speak to you.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think it comes down to again, you know, you've got to take responsibility. You know, a lot of people, a lot of businesses will say that's not our job. We sell bicycles, for example. And I think it's time to go. Look, it is. It's all of our jobs. We're all in this together. It's not the government's job to provide um, mental health support. With the amount of tax to pay, it should be, but it isn't. Then they won't take the responsibility. I know we've left Europe now, and we're supposedly we've got 350 million pounds a week extra from somewhere. But again, unfortunately, we don't know where that's going to come from. So it's everyone's responsibility. We sell plants, but ultimately every single business is a people's business. There would be no business without people, airline or whatever. So the idea is look after the people, you know, and you've got to remember, you look after people, they look after you. So we're all in this together. We're all here to scratch each other's back. David Attenborough said, you know, a species only thrives when everything around it thrives. It's completely true. I can't thrive and sell plants unless people are willing to buy plants so it is and that's the beautiful thing about the world everyone can do what they want um, and everyone can do their own thing and it's really just an exchange of people energy time money effort it's just an exchange and um, I think where it's got wrong in the past is when you become a, a big company then it becomes an unequal exchange You know, it feels like it's it's not balanced for us. It's it's a very balanced exchange. We'll sell you a plant, of course we'll make profit on it. But look, we're here, you know. If if anything goes wrong, come back to us, you know where you got it from. Oh, do you need this, do you need this? We'll help you out. It's more of like a friendly bond, which is why we've got WhatsApp as well. Um, because I don't know why companies of course they've got an email because people are still outdated, but you don't talk to your friends over email, so why would you talk to your customers over email your customers your friend they're paying for your lifestyle so yeah
0: yeah it's definitely a really interesting trend how things are changing and hopefully things are changing for the better and i think lockdown has been a catalyst for a lot of this change um yeah we're going to see that across so many industries so it's going to be really interesting to see where it goes um you're going to be starting you're going to be starting a new podcast for pointless plants what's what's that going to be about
1: I don't know we just kind of like talking so we just we just want to create you know obviously it's a tough time lockdown and stuff we just want to create more content get people involved just cheer people up so we're going to be talking about loads of plant stuff I don't know maybe maybe there'll be some business stuff not sure how interested people are in business and growing Instagram accounts. it's pretty kind of boring time consuming time consuming stuff so we're looking at that, but mainly just to provide plant care. How what plants mean to other people? There are like loads of influencers we've used in the past, but quite a few of them have like a big plant collection, and you know they say they provide a lot of support and stuff for people. And plants can really help uh, mental well-being and stuff like that. So a lot of people, plants mean a lot of different things to some people. Like the physical benefits they bring, like their air purifying stuff and the smell of mud is an act of an um, an antidepressant Uh, some people like the energy aspect some people just like seeing it so there are loads of different things plants do to different people so it'd just be interesting to converse and get the ideas of everyone around and yeah
0: and I liked how you said earlier about them being a pet almost it's kind of like a a millennial pet where we don't have a lot of people are living in flats now you can't even have pets in your house but plants are living breathing kind of creatures they're an ecosystem of their
1: own right there's an amazing book the secret life of plants and it talks about a guy literally hooks an ecg machine up to a plant and measures the responses when people speak to the plant and treat it with care or treat it without care or you know loads and loads and loads and loads of experiments that really one of the experiments was the plant basically there was this the plant's owner went on holiday 700 miles away When the plane landed and she felt scared, it triggered a response in her plant at home. Now, like, I don't know whether that's entanglement where we all come from the same source, so we're all entangled, but look, like plants are living. Plants show they're living. Like they probably, you interact with them just as much as if you have a dog. Unfortunately, they can't give you the, the physical stuff. You know, they can't give you the physical stuff like a dog or a human gives you but they care for you, I, you know, you care for them, they care for you, trust me, all you got to do is hook an ECG machine up to it and have a look at their stress response signals, so read that book, there's so much stuff, The Secret Life of Plants is an amazing, insightful book.
0: I think there are so many things that we are just so unaware of, like I think we've become yeah. so unattached, disattached from nature especially, I think, yeah. um, I find it really tricky living in cities, um, I don't know about You, I mean, you've moved out of London now, you're on the outskirts, you're kind of more towards the coast. So you get you get to go to the beach. I'm slightly jealous. But I think cities really do disattach you from what is important. And all of these magical things, like this is something that you feel like is is magic. Like it's like a movie, like a plant caring for you, a plant being able to sense when you're scared on a plane. It is crazy. And I feel like we need to reattach to that. So I'm aware we've taken up a a decent amount of your time and we are reaching the end I mean what what are you what kind of things are you taking away from lockdown and your experience of being made redundant but also having your own business what have you kind of learned that you're going to be taking into this year with you
1: well I'm hoping it all works out and
0: fingers crossed
1: then like I don't know maybe I believe in faith so because at the moment you know I'm putting in the work you know i see results results that you know they're not necessarily paying the bills obviously doing well but like not paying the bills or you know not the lifestyle that i maybe want and i just have faith that at the moment i have faith that if i keep going there will be you know like georgia said last night she goes but how do you know there's a light at the tunnel you can't see it and i said just because you can't see the light doesn 't mean it's not there, so I'm just hoping i'm going to keep walking through my tunnel, keep grafting along, and then at some point a light's going to pop up, and i 'm going to go, "Wow, there's a light, and then I'm just going to run towards the light and then get to the light so and then I believe in I kind of already have faith because there's a few experiments i've already done like when when this all happened, and I sold half the business, which is quite a, maybe this is quite a good story so. Oh. So when we went on holiday in January last year, I wrote, I was, I was in a hotel, I listened to a book and um, I wrote down the side, by this day, I will have this amount of money. And I just thought, let's call it X amount of money. So by this day, I'll have X amount of money. Every morning, every evening, I looked at it. I believed it, read it, thought about it. Every spare time of the day, I thought, okay, I'll have this. I'll have this. I'll have this. Anyway, like the situation pops up. I reconnected with like a really old friend I knew from EasyJet who has a business and, and whatever else. Um, and I said, look, I need help. I just don't know what to do. I've got this business that's thriving out of my bedroom. My house is covered in boxes. I can't keep up with it. I need your help, that's what I said to him. And he goes, okay, what do you want? I said, time and money. He goes, how much money do you want? I said, X amount of money, which is what I wrote down in that hotel. He said, all right then, here you go. And like, so, so that, that was kind of like, when you listen to it in a book, then you apply it in real life, then you start to get faith and you're like, wow, okay, it really works. So now I'm going for bigger and bigger goals. And while obviously as a human, I've got a bit of doubt, um, I completely believe that it will happen. So I'm trying to learn faith and take A lot of my lessons from obviously other people that have done really well, I look at nature massively. You know, nature can explain everything, every situation going through, just go for a walk outside, go to the beach and you'll be able to put it into an analogy. And when you look at um, like the purest forms of nature, like, you know, nature, plants, animals, then you look at children right, who haven't been brainwashed like us, four-year-old kids. I was with um, Jane's four-year-old twins, absolutely amazing, just pure, like beautiful and always curious. What's this? What's this? Can I see this? What's this? What's this? What's this? As adults, you learn, don't talk to strangers. Don't do that. Don't be nosy. No, be curious. What is this? What is this? What is this? Who are you? How can I help you? How can you help me? And it would be so much easier for everyone if everyone was like this. It would be just a better planet. We would have rockets, we'll be going to space. But because we're taught all these stupid things, you know, keep yourself to yourself, you know, keep your head down. Oh,
0: stranger danger is such a strange one. I mean, yes, for sure. I mean, but everyone is a stranger at some point, right? And everyone also knows someone. So I also feel like strangers aren't as dangerous as you think they are. Don't go out and speak to random people, but. At the same time, everyone everyone is amazing. Like, And there is an ecosystem and we do need to start acting like one. And definitely the children point, I think that's so important. I love asking yeah. questions. I ask people questions all the time and they, they look at me yeah. like, what? Just ask, yeah. be, be slightly inappropriate. Say something that you, just take a risk, a little, just yeah. a little risk and learn from it, for sure. Yeah,
1: drop, drop your ego, basically. Yeah,
0: basically, exactly. Adults have this massive ego. Really interesting story. From now on, how can people keep up to date with what you're doing? Do you have your own Instagram account that you want to give out or do you want to tell people about Pointless Plants?
1: Um, Follow Pointless Plants, sign up to our mailing list. We don't really spam people with much marketing. Mainly just put heartfelt messages out. Um, Yeah, just I'm on there most of the time. I don't know. If you can offer me something, maybe I can offer you something. Drop me a text on my number. Get it from you.
0: And if you need to speak, use, use your message that yeah, we got, out last
1: night. Yeah, exactly. We've got plant. At the same time, I put that a nice message out on Instagram. Our plant doctor was like, I just really want to be nice to people. So a few other, you know, so there you go. Our plant doctor line is now open to everyone for any issues. And if if we if we really get a massive demand as a small business, I don't know, maybe we'll look at volunteers. A lot of we got a message last night from someone saying oh, I'd love to volunteer and I just love what you're doing. I'd volunteer and whatever else. So maybe we, we'll create some sort of, you know, if you if you're in trouble, give us a text message or WhatsApp. I don't know. Are these? I'd like the um, phone lines and stuff that are open to people to get help you know like samaritans whatever else do they have a whatsapp service
0: personally i'm not sure
1: some people like don't really like talking on the phone there's a lot Uh, of people that. i'm I'm pretty
0: sure there are some tech services and stuff like that
1: there must be Uh, be, it's
0: the messenger and online i think there must be some
1: yeah there must be there must be but maybe we'll be on the next ones i don't know amazing where life takes us
0: keep going with the journey
1: that's it. Lovely speaking. I better get on with my day, pack some plants, go and have some fun.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. Hopefully, that's going to help someone.
1: Thank you for having me.